Welcome to X-Rated Movies! This is a podcast by two guys who used to date, and now they don't. I'm a terrifying robot. (laughs) And I'm unsuspecting victim number three, Matt Fisher. Robots are scary, right? Uh, They can be. Like, Hal wasn't without his scariness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The T-1000? Yeah, uh, whatever that stupid robot in uh dark star was yeah yeah um uh 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 uh, 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 uh chopping mall great example yeah. yes uh west world oh yeah that's real good cylons so. battlestar galactica put a pin in that yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we are x-rayed movies We're, this is a podcast by two guys that used to date and now they do not now they talk about movies and all month long, we're talking about spooky, scary movies. Spooky Spookersons, to quote uh, Large Marge sent us. They responded to a tweet that you put out recently, which was I was really excited about. <laughs> it's been a trial, but I, I have been doing like the one scary movie every day. Oh, good for you. Uh, stereotype. Okay. Because I'm that basic of a bitch. That's, that's your pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. Okay. So. I'm not following any hard rule or regulation or anything like that. Just one scary movie every day. Okay, okay, okay. And the one that they responded on was Hocus Pocus. Yeah, that, which was, yeah, from October 1st. Very, I have very mixed emotions about that movie. Well, I mean, it's definitely a movie for kids. Also, it is? <laughs> but for a movie for kids, they do a lot of virgin shaming in that movie. Oh, yeah? I don't remember that. It's like the, the idea is like these witches are like dead until a virgin lights this very specific like black flame candle oh, right yeah yeah and like once it comes out that he's a virgin like it comes back like every 30 or 40 minutes and like someone's making fun of him for it and i was like hey he's like 14 it's 100 percent okay <laughs> to be a virgin at like 14 or 15 or whatever he was yeah but also it's a kid's movie like do you really want to lean in on the virgin aspect of this I mean, that, all that was fine. It, it, it's just, some of it was very, very cheap. Like, spoiler alert, when the witches explode at the end, it's like someone just lit off, like, a firecracker. <laughs> Did, like, a hard cut from, like, Sarah Jessica Parker screaming to, like, pop. <laughs> I'm like, okay, come on, guys. Come on, movie. I know you're not, like, a Marvel movie here, but I think you could do a little <laughs> bit better than that. But it was still enjoyable. There's a camp factor in it that I think oh. resonates highly with our generation. For sure, for sure, for sure. A lot of gays love it. A lot of gays love it. Not super duper, but, you know, it was a fine way to spend October 1. Okay. The first time I saw it, I was with my friend at uh, Broadway Video that used to be up here where the shoe store is, or where BECU is now. We went over to get rent some videos, and uh, we rented that one this one time because my friend really wanted to watch it. I'd never seen it. And as we were checking out, the guy's like, ah... Going to watch Bette Midler chew the scenery, huh? And that was the first time I'd ever heard the phrase, chew the scenery. Wow. How old were you when you first watched it? Mm, 24, 25. Oh, see, I saw it when it was like during its theatrical release. Oh, okay. So I there's a bit of a nostalgia in there, too, of oh, course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We might have made a tent for it when we watched it, because we did that. <laughs> 
By the way, highly recommended make tent forts as an adult because you have an idea of what engineering is and you have so much better shit. <laughs> we brought the microwave in one time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We had a box of wine. It was awesome. We put the TV in. A big question for you here. Okay, I'm ready. Blanket fort or pillow fort? So you got to do both. You, really? You're a mix and match man. As an adult. So, okay. As an adult, when we made it, we actually took like cables and like hooked them up to one side, brought them to the other side of the room on the ceiling, and then we put like sheets over it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, second level. <laughs> God. I don't think there's another level after that. So there's one level and then two <laughs> levels. Second level. This was better than just hanging out on your couch or bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 24. I mean, I know that like 15 years sounds like a long time, but you were still an adult. <laughs> I don't know. I think when I was 24, I was playing, well, I don't want to say baseball, but my roommate and I were throwing crab shells at one another and we were hitting them as if, you know, we were playing baseball. Uh huh. <laughs> well, Ryan. Yes. This is the week of Halloween, is it not? It sure is, Matt. I mean, you know what Halloween is, right? All Hallows' Eve? It's our three-year anniversary, man. <gasps> You're right! Oh. How could you forget? <laughs> um, alcohol? <laughs> but long-time listeners will remember, while it wasn't the anniversary of our f- first episode being released, it is the... F- anniversary of us recording our first episode it really is wow so three years of coming over to your apartment and yakking about movies yeah this now is the longest project i've ever undertaken really like it's lasted longer than any band i've been in okay i've produced more like output with it than any other band i've been in too so wow shit (laughs) so yeah thinking all those Many eons ago to Bo Travai, our first episode. Man, the Earth has traveled around the sun three times. Mm-hmm. And this is our 133rd episode. Not counting Quick and Dirties or the bonus stuff that we've done. Yeah. So, And not to mention all the times we've been guests on other people's podcasts. That's true. Like, podcasting is sort of like how socially awkward adults make friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't just ask someone to hang out. We have to ask someone to be on the podcast. And uh, we have the barrier of a movie to talk mm-hmm, about, too. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I like to think of it as an, as an icebreaker. Okay. An yeah. hour-long icebreaker of <laughs> just talking about a movie of someone's choosing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Podcasting has definitely been a fun adventure. It's opened up doors and avenues, and I've met people that I wouldn't have normally have met. Do you think we... Did you ever in your life imagine we'd be talking to the director of Socket? No. <laughs> Until it happened. <laughs> I mean, in my like wildest fantasies, of course I did, but never like in a truthful, like one day I'm going to do this sort of manner. Makes me wonder what's going to happen in the next year. <laughs> It's 
it's really been nice uh, having this uh, time to reflect uh-huh. on <laughs> the last three years. Ooh. And, Ooh. Uh, you know, today's movie has, uh, has some reflective elements to it, I think you could say. Today's movie, 2013's Oculus, written and directed by Mike Flanagan. And edited by... This is his baby, I think we can safely say. Yeah, and it's also kind of like his first real mature effort. Mm-hmm. He'd made an independent film before this called Abstentia. Okay. It was okay. It's got some scary parts to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Real indie, though, and on real low-budget digital film. Yeah. And then he'd had a short film called Oculus right. before this that I've seen and I don't see the greatness in it necessarily. Mm -hmm. Also got some scary parts to it. Which is basically what this movie was based on. Yeah, so there's a scene where like our main character Kaylee, she's sort of running down the history like as if she's like on like a true life murder podcast Uh that is taken from the original short film. Right. Not quite verbatim, but a lot of it is in there. The trail starts in London in 1754. It first appeared in London in 1754. Philip Lasser, the 17th Earl of Leicester, acquired the mirror and hung it over his fireplace. Men in Philip Lasser hung it over his grand fireplace on his estate. So in 1755, Philip Lasser was found at their grand fireplace burned beyond recognition was found in that very fireplace burned beyond recognition while the estate was dismantled and scattered throughout southern england one of the family's stewards claimed to see philip reflected in the mirror some even claimed to have seen philip in the glass years after his estate was dismantled and scattered throughout london fun fact the guy from the short film is in this movie where he is the guy who is the um auction house warehouse uh Dude. Oh, yeah, okay. same actor. Okay. I looked it okay. up. I didn't write his name down, but because I watched the short, and uh, well, I watched the movie, then I watched the short, and then I was like, I I have like six notes. I need to watch this movie again. <laughs> yeah, I also so, watched the movie twice. <laughs> so, uh, but then when I got to that scene again, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, good eye, good eye. Yeah, same guy. So it's about a haunted mirror. And, uh, a fugly mirror. <laughs> you don't like it? <laughs> oh no, I think it's hideous. I mean, it looks like an evil mirror. It does. <laughs> like if I was going through like a, a mirror gallery <laughs> and I came across that one, I'm like, okay, demon mirror. And uh... <laughs> it looks like it belongs in some uh, deep uh, black forest hunting lodge. It's terrible. It looks like it should be in the tree where the creatures in Pan's Labyrinth come out of. Yeah, sure, yeah. It's a hard decorating choice, I guess is one way to put it. Well, I I didn't take a note on, like, the timeline, but it's like they go through, like, the ownership history of right, it. Right, right, right. But they do mention at some point that it had, uh, this is, like, at the auction house. Yeah. They're like, it even, like, graced the walls of Balmoral Castle, the home of the, the royal family in Scotland. Right. But I was like, wait a minute, was that before or after it was in the uh, home of the Russells? Oh, yeah. Because I was like, what's this like upper middle class family doing with like literally royal property? Like, can they just afford to put that on the old visa? I don't know. Yeah, good question. I don't so know. My, my thought is that it was after the murder, after it left the Russell house. Okay. It somehow got to england and this was like making its way back but yeah maybe the auction house just making shit up so they get a higher <laughs> price no i think it, it must have 
like when it's in a large enough room because there is like a circle of influence as they, they mentioned of being like 30 feet oh maybe so it's in the ballroom or something yeah so when it's like that big its influence is a little diffuse mm, and they didn't have any plants or dogs that could steal life energy from uh, spoiler alert we'll get there <laughs> Well, I mean, if it was uh, if it's taking place in our universe with the modern queen, there would have been corgis running around all over the place. <laughs> Those poor little dogs. That's why she always has so many because one always goes missing. <laughs> Just in case there's a haunted piece of ephemera around uh, the castle. Well, I mean, you got to thank these royal families. One of these things has to be cursed just by sheer luck of the draw. Yeah, I, I, yeah, sounds about right. That's probably why they got rid of it. They're like, oh, it's that mirror. <laughs> Send it to the auction house. <laughs> we'll give this to America. Yeah. <laughs> the royals haven't gotten over the Revolutionary War no, yet. Yeah, they're still pissed about it. <laughs> I don't want to go over the plot too heavily, but I do want to kind of talk about the structure of the movie. Okay. Because I think that is one of its strengths. The style, the look, the feel is sort of a classic Bloomhouse movie. Your sinisters, your insidiouses, okay. that sort of thing. It's got that look and feel to sure. it. I like uh, the look of this film a lot, by the way. Yeah, it's got a good, smooth sort of... Uh, uh, There's a polish to it that I like. Yeah. It looks very much in the vein of a horror movie that came out between 2010 and 2020. Sure. You know? uh, and that's because it did. You know, <laughs> I, How about that? And I do actually kind of like that about the movie. I don't know about you, but I, when you're forced to make something sort of in the style of the day. Mm -hmm. If all these filmmakers have to make a horror movie and they all have to have, you know, the same type of cinematography and the all the same sort of like color correction and things like that. And you see all of them, you know, in a relatively short amount of time, it kind of lets you see who's better than the rest. Mm, okay. Who's making the most out of this tool set. Sure. You know, sure, sure. So Mike Flanagan, I feel like because he's working in the same, like with the same tools, mm -hmm. It, it already makes me think that like we're, we're like this is someone with a, a little bit more talent, like a, a cut above the rest. Sure, just based on the the structure, like the the two interweaving storylines, like the way that they're. In, it's not just that he's editing back and forth; it's that they actually like swerve in and out of one another. Yeah, it's complicated. I actually feel like this was the weakest point of the movie for me a little bit. Uh, well, I'll just come off. Real, I liked it. So I just want to say that real sure. fast. So this is going to sound like I don't want to start with criticism. Mm -hmm. But uh, I did feel kind of near the end. I got a little confused as to when we were being shown the flashback and when we were being shown what the characters were being shown by the mirror. But don't you think that's part of it? Sure, 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 sure. Like, it, it adds to the uh, dis... Uh, the delirium. The, the, yeah, like you don't know exactly what's going on. The dementia. It means insanity. So yeah, it's like I, I kind of went back and forth. It was... Uh, it, I, I liked it for that aspect of it, but I, I wish there was a tiny bit more clarity in what we were seeing. And that's fair because it does get a little confusing. The first time that I watched this two years ago, mm -hmm. I want to say, I kind of just put it on because I was like, okay, Haunted Mirror movie, here we go. <laughs> Seen one of these before. It's called Mirror Mirror <laughs> from the 80s. Look it up. But it's not really a haunted mirror movie. Like, it is, but it's not. And after I watched it the first time, I was like, I should have paid better attention because it kind of, like, requires, like, a little effort on the viewer's part. Yeah. Well, like I said, I watched it again, but because I was, like, I was just engaged, and I was, like, I was trying to keep up the yeah. first time. 
especially in the last like half, I'd say when it really starts to ramp up, I was like, shit, I really have to like keep this straight. And like second viewing did help a little bit because it also like the mirror's powers is that it makes you see things that aren't there, number one, and then makes you do things that you don't remember doing. So those are two really difficult things to portray, I think, in cinema. Mm-hmm. And this one's trying to do that plus show a flashback all yeah. in the same time. Yeah, it's like the, the the short film that this is based on has like none of the flashback parts. Right. Like, And so like that's something that he added on to this movie. It shows the character sort of like maybe... Uh, reacting to things that they're seeing, like having the flashbacks, but in their head. Yeah. And this time it actually shows them for the audience to see. Right. Which was good because really terrifying stuff. Yeah. And it's also like the structure of having it this way. Did you ever see Room with Brie Larson? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So my complaint with that movie is that the first half is fantastic and then the second half just kind of sits there. And I always thought that it would have been better if they were able to tell both of the stories like being in the room and life after the room concurrently Mm. and have both climaxes to both stories like coincide. Like the emotional closure of like being out of the room along with the actual escape from the room. And I feel like that's what Mike Flanagan did here. Sure. It's like he's got two separate stories, but instead of just telling one and then telling another or telling one and then cutting to the other he tells one and it like bleeds into the other and then bleeds back into the first story Mm -hmm. to me like that's just so much harder than just having two storylines that you're drawing parallels between and just cutting back and forth between sure wildly ambitious for like your first like major motion picture yeah the modest budget five million was that it? That's it. Whew. Yeah, I'm impressed. When I when I looked that up, I was like, it can't be. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. So, good job. Mm-hmm. We jumped to the ending, but like, there's good stuff prior to that, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's like, lots of good the stuff. Because the movie, it, we say it's about a haunted mirror. This is, you know, a like the last two movies we've done. It's a horror movie that's about something, but it's actually about something else. And this time, I thought it was about mental illness. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is that element in there because when Tim and Kaylee are fighting, a lot of it is just the standoff between like what she remembers and her point of view on the topic and sort of, I don't want to say brainwash, but like what he's been told to think of the situation. Right. Because he's coming in with like fuzzy traces and, and things like that. Like he's coming at it with like, you know, mental health perspective on it and like why does he think that he remembers it this way it's like well there's many good reasons why you would remember a situation especially as a child incorrectly yeah having trauma as a child i don't know if the mirror's powers are to make you doubt your own senses that's kind of what schizophrenia is in a way where it's like the world that you are perceiving is not the world that is objective reality okay so like that is a thing to be afraid of, I think. Like, I think for me, that's where the re- the horror really comes from. And then, of course, you know, like when you he adds in the, the layer of like, oh, if you see somebody else suffering with this, like the kids seeing their parents suffer with like having mental breakdowns, like mm-hmm. that's terrifying and it's in a different way. It's sort of like with the exorcist where it's not necessarily, we're not scared of 
having a demon possess us, we're scared of being uh, Ellen Burstyn's character seeing somebody that has that. So. Yeah, I mean, you're saying like the 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 real fear is like the schizophrenia. I feel like the real fear is like the family trauma. Sure, Cause, sure. Because uh, in in the the flashback storyline, like I'll I'll say it's the B storyline, even though I don't think it is a B story. The the beads. <laughs> B. 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 Ryan's not on board. You know, when especially when you're a kid, you're particularly vulnerable to your your parents' actions. Oh, yeah. So the idea that, like, your parents turn bad, because it does a good job of, like, showing them as, like, being, like, kind of a loving family at the beginning. Yeah. You have, like, like this one that introduces the family as they're moving in, and the camera kind of swoops through like the living room and the hallway in, moving in into the office and then it like backs out of the office and sees like you know the the mirror moving in and was that a winner that was a winner oh, yeah i didn't even notice okay. you know that sometimes it's the best when it's invisible yeah cool uh but you know it's in this storyline that we see that like the mother uh what's her name uh marie She's got uh, the C-section scar. Right. And I think it just has that, like, touching little moment where he's like, let me look at it. I'm a professional. And then it cuts to her, like, post-orgasm after he just, like, ate her out. Uh And I'm like, wow, they've been married for, you know, 11 years or something like that. I don't know how long they dated before that. And they still kind of have, like, spontaneous oral sex like that. I'm like, oh, that's sweet. Uh, The parents, I just real fast want to mention these actors. We've got KT Sackoff, who uh, is Starbuck in the reboot of Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Unpin, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Rory Cochran from fucking uh, Empire Records and Dazed and Confused. He's the guy with like the big, the long hair, the stoner dude with like the backwards he hat. He is? Yeah. This place used to be off limits, man, because some drunk freshman fell off. He went right down the middle, smacking his head on every beam, man. Oh, I did not recognize him in the slightest. Oh, no. The second I saw him, I was like, boom. <laughs> those cheeks. Can't get away with those cheeks. Um, yeah, he does got round cheeks. He's got a distinct face. He should really be more of a character actor. Like, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I guess so. Both do a good job in this movie, by oh, the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like Marie. Like, there's that scene at the dinner table when uh, young Kaylee's like, Oh my God, Ellie has one and Maddie has one. I'm the only kid in my class without a phone. That is terrible. Thanks for nothing, Marie. <laughs> oh, I'm going to run out and get one for you right now, daughter. And she calls her by her first yeah. name. Yeah. But then she calls dad, dad. And she's like, oh, I guess I'm Marie and you're dad. <laughs> Uh, there's something about like I don't know. It just seemed like, I mean, this is the scene where like he starts fading like into yeah. darkness. Yeah. But I was like, I oh, know they're typical everyday parents just doing the best they can with their snot-nosed little kids. <laughs> I think Katie Sack. I've only seen her really in this and uh, Battlestar Galactica. She's an intense actress. She is. She, like when the role calls for a character like her. Give her fucking work, because that's what she brings, I think, most of the time to the table is intensity. There's a softness to this role that, like, is a little bit in Starbuck, but, like, man, when she needs to be intense, she can deliver the goods. Yeah. With Haunted Mirror movies, (laughs) typically you think it's going to be, like, a doppelganger sort of situation. Yeah. That you fixate on the reflective aspect of a mirror. Or... Alternatively, because there's so much folklore about like mirrors being 
gateways to other dimensions or something like that. Sure. Um, Mike Flanagan, I want to add, was born in Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, shit. So, so he's a witch. <laughs> so, like, during, like, Salem witch trials, like, they would always cover up the mirrors in, like, uh, homes of perceived witches. Oh, okay. Because they felt that, like, that was, like, a gateway to hell for witches. And Orthodox Jews will, uh, some of them, will cover up uh, mirrors of the deceased during funerals. Yeah, they do it in um, fried green tomatoes. Oh, do they? Yeah, they cover all the mirrors. Oh, I don't remember that. It's also been 25 years since I've seen (laughs) fried green tomatoes. In this movie, though, it does it from a different perspective. Because, you know, we look in a mirror and we perceive what we see to be truth. Mm -hmm. But really, mirrors can be very misleading. As you'll recall from Clueless, share never trust mirrors, only Polaroids. Mm -hmm. There are slimming mirrors. There yeah. are widening mirrors. Body dysmorphia is a thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. So There's like, funhouse mirrors. Yeah. And this is sort of playing more with perception and like the the, yeah. the power that mirrors have in like creating a reality in our mind. Like we'll look in a mirror, see how we look. If we look good in it, then that's all the confirmation that we need. Yeah. So the idea that this mirror is sort of creating a reality that we're unaware of is unique in the haunted mirror genre, or, or however Alex Trebek says it. Genre. I yeah. I I mean I like that aspect of it because, like I said, I think schizophrenia is a really scary thing. You could probably go back to um, Clean Shaven episode thirteen if you want to hear me talk more about that. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, like the idea that what you're perceiving isn't actually what's happening is terrifying. Yeah. Like that is a really scary thing. <laughs> so like I like that he's playing with that in this. And like the mirror ideas is like, yeah, it's like you said, it's all about just perception. Like what do you see when you look in this thing? Mm-hmm. Really, we don't find out what the mirror is capable of for like a good solid like 20, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And even before we really understand what the mirror is capable of we have kaylee have having this whole setup of cameras and laptops and a whole Plants. slew of equipment and she goes into basically her her true life podcast like monologue <laughs> as if she's like introducing john wayne gacy or something uh-huh. there's also this aspect of like her life has been hijacked by this mirror because like she works at an auction house in hopes that it will just pass through one day? Yeah, so, the, or, I, I mean, I don't know if it's in hopes that it'll pass through, but, like, it gives her the resources to keep tabs on antiques at the very least. Okay, yeah. Um, Maybe she's in acquisitions and she found it and she's, like, bring it, she brought it through. Yeah. That's possible. But, but it's also that she married the guy who owns the auction house. Oh, yeah. Like, it's Dumont well, auction. They're gonna get married. He's her fiance. Fiance, yeah. fiance. Yeah. So, it's, like, there's this aspect that, like, this has hijacked her life. And even though like he's been in, in the institution, Timothy, he's at least like trying to get past it. She's fixated on it since it happened, since yeah. the events happened. Yeah. That's a good point. Cause that would explain why she's so, Oh, she's very prepared for this mirror. She's taken every precaution. By the way, that uh, yacht anchor is an Alma Dovar's gazpacho. If I ever saw one, <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, someone's getting hit with that. <laughs> so, yeah, the the kill switch for the mirror is a 20-pound yacht anchor with 
uh, an extra 20 pounds of barbells attached to it. <laughs> and it has to be reset manually every 30 minutes from a source that has no electricity. Right. Because this mirror can fiddle with electricity or has an influence over that. Yeah, it's got that power too. So it needed to be not attached to any electrical source. There's a part of me that wants to like fuck with her reasoning on all of this. And it's kind of airtight a little bit. Like, I, I mean, I don't want to use that word, but like, cause there was a part of me that's like, well, why don't you just fucking hook up the mirror where the anchor's going to hit it, put the sheet over it and then walk out of the house. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes later, it'll be destroyed. Mm-hmm. You're done. You don't mm-hmm. have to deal with it because she's obsessed with proving that this thing is real. And like, she, so she needs to get the images of it doing things right. before she can kill it. And so, okay, I buy that. And, like, the alarm, I don't know. Like, it, it all just kind of feels pretty pretty tight. Yeah, like, you, you have it, like, you're both like, well, this seems excessive. But it's kind of hard to poke holes in her reasoning. It's like, she wants to basically clear her father's name a little bit. Like, she doesn't like the idea that both her brother and her father have been like labeled murderers. Right. And so she's like, if we can get definitive proof of this happening. So she's got all these camcorders all hooked up to separate electrical outlets. Yeah. She does intend to kill it, but only after she gets her proof. Right. First. Right. It's yeah. like she, she wants something definitive on camera and then that's the closure that she needs. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I, I get that. Yeah, I'm on board with her. So it goes to the auction house and she brings it to her own house to the guys that like it needs to be repaired. So she's going to take it to some restoration shop, but she actually just takes it to her her family home, which has not sold since the murders. It's just been floating in the market ever since the murders. Question for you. Uh-huh. She just inherited that house when she turned 18. Would she have to pay taxes on that? No. Oh, okay. It just goes right to her. Not unless it was over a certain dollar amount that I can't remember right off the bat. Okay, okay, okay. okay. But yeah, she would have to pay estate taxes, aka the death tax. Sure. If it was like over like $3 million or something like that. Mm, I don't think that's a $3 million home. Depends on where it is, but I don't think uh, Yeah, I don't think it's a $3 million home either. Just wondering because she's, you know, she says that line where she's like, The house just sat on the market while I was in the foster system. Released me when I turned 18. I was the only homeowner in the freshman dorms when I started school. And that's just like, did they pay off the whole mortgage? Because they had just moved in. Oh, they did just move in. So uh, there, is, all right, there would be questions about the mortgage. Who paid that off? But maybe there was like a life insurance something. Because she does, mm. when she meets up with Timothy, uh, like at the beginning, she's like, here's your half of the estate. Right. And gives him like a check that, you know, supposedly a big fatty check. So that is hard to say. I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Mm. I don't know. The, probate is not my area of expertise. <laughs> okay. Well, I just you know figured you're uh, a tax question. I figured I'd no, ask, no, no, I'd no, ask no. A, the, a bookkeeper. The, the, the taxes on it, though, like, no, she wouldn't. I really doubt there'd be taxes due on that. It's There's, there's a certain value mark before you get taxed on inheritance. Okay. So she could technically inherit that home after 10 years of it being on the market because it was the original owner's? Yeah, and even if it sold, what would happen is like it would just like the money would just stay in a trust, and she'd get that money when she turned eighteen. Okay, but it never sold, so she got to keep the house. And then even if it did sell, she wouldn't have to pay taxes on that money 
because I mean, as a kid, it would still be seen as her primary residence, and there's a certain deductible for primary residences. You can all take my tax class. <laughs> Just email me at x.radio.movies at gmail.com. We'll go through tax 101. So it goes through the auction house, and she's like lying. <laughs> Uh, so that she can like abscond with this mirror for a little while, uh-huh. destroy it. I don't know what her like plan is afterwards because someone did pay like twenty six thousand dollars for that. Uh, I don't think she cares. I mean, maybe she's got the money. Maybe she's like, well, I just gave Timothy his half of the estate. That's five hundred thousand dollars. He'll pay for it. Which maybe run that by him first. Also, what's going to happen with your fiance after that? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big matzo ball. Is she just like tossing the lit match behind her? Like, who gives a shit? That mirror's dead. <laughs> but I kind of laughed when she like pulls the cloth off the mirror mm-hmm. and she goes, Hello again. <laughs> and the mirror was like, You, you were, were dead. dead. You were dead. Did you ever think we'd be quoting hello again? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> 10 episodes later. <laughs> Well, uh. we'll see what kind of legs that has. <laughs> I did like, okay, in that scene where she finally pulls it off and says hello again. Hello again. I didn't realize it the first time I watched it, but the second time through today, that sets up the rules for us of what the mirror can do mm-hmm. because it shows that she sees in the mirror that there's a third like ghost looking thing behind her yeah. and she turns around, it's not there or she, she sees it IRL. She thinks she sees it IRL, looks in the mirror I'm, remem- she, I'm misremembering she, the order here. She sees it in the mirror. Mm-hmm. So there's like two statues with with cloths over them. Oh right, right, right. okay. And yeah, like those are established like when we see like the the shot in in this like warehousey area. She looks in the mirror and sees a third one, and it like moves its head. Right. And so she, turns she around. looks back, and there's only two. Yeah. She looks back in the mirror. There's three, and when she turns back again, there's, there's three. three. You're right. So it, sh- it shows that what the mirror can do is make you see things that aren't there. Right. Because she goes, she walks over to them and starts pulling off sheets to see what's underneath them. And before she can pull the one off the third one, uh, the guy comes in and like startles her. And it's a whole jump scare thing. You're all set. That establishes right there. It shows what the mirror can do. Yeah. And that's a good tense scene too. Yeah. Like, even though it's established, like this guy's going to leave the room and come right back. I'm still like... It, that's not in my head. Like, I'm not thinking, like, oh, well, some something's going to interrupt this. Like, I'm really thinking, like, what's beneath that, that cloth? Yeah. And I got the impression that there was actually a person underneath it because it was moving just the slightest bit. This movie's good with subtlety, I should say. Okay. One of the first jump scares is when the dad's just walking through the house. Oh, and yeah. And we see, like, this floaty thing just, like, he passes by. But there isn't, like, a string, like, meh. Right. It's just like a quiet, like, sound. And it, like, that's almost creepier than, like, the jump scare part of it, you know? what I like about that scare, because it it also kind of plays into where, from when you see something in the movie and to when it's, like, explained, there's, like, a disjointedness there. Yeah. So, in that scene where the dad gets scared, he has, like, a juice box in his hand. Right. But it's not for like a couple beats later that he looks in the mirror and realizes that he squeezed the juice box all over his shirt. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that happened like 40 seconds ago. And it's like same with like the anchor. Like we see where the anchor has hit the wall. Right. Before we see the anchor or before we see what it does. Right. So there's like a little disconnect between like 
when something happens and when we understand what the effect of it is. Oh, yeah, that's cool. And there's just little things like that all over the movie. Yeah, definitely. That happens a lot. The scene in the movie that really kind of like grabbed me the first time that I watched it where I was like, oh, this is something I, I can't just passively watch was when Tim and Kaylee are arguing and they're talking about how... A bad marriage. That explains how mom had no teeth, no hair, no mind left by the time she died. Kaylee, you... Yeah, a bad marriage. That explains those other people we both saw in the house that last night. He was withdrawn, secretive, all signs of an affair. I had access to all of mom and dad's stuff. While you were getting brainwashed, I looked and not one credit card received, phone call, flower order, nothing to suggest an affair. And then, like, they leave for a little bit, and when they come back the room where they're watching the mirror, the cameras have been adjusted so that they're facing each other instead of the mirror. And all the plants are dead. And all the plants are dead. Yeah. So it's like the mirror did its thing, but like the cameras couldn't catch it. Right. And And we, the audience, couldn't either. Because we were being shown what the characters believed they were seeing. Right. So, I, you know, this is my... I've I've watched this once before and then twice over the weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. And the way that it's cut, it it does like close-ups of their heads and faces. And so it's like while they're arguing, they are like moving stuff, but you don't notice it. It's mostly like just out of frame, but like you can see that they're doing stuff with their arms. And you can see that like stuff is actually happening, but it's like just out of frame, so you don't actually see it. Uh So they roll back one of the cameras that was like mounted to the wall and they see that like while they were having this argument they were purposely adjusting the camera so that it wasn't facing the mirror right i don't remember doing that do you three times on viewing and i never quite remember where that scene comes in and I never remember quite how it plays out. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so subtle that like, while they're having that argument, like you don't catch on to what is happening. Like you don't realize that they're so enamored in their strife that they're actively going against their whole plan that night. Yeah. Well, and see, I, that's part of, in a similar vein to what I was saying about how I think this movie is about mental illness is because like a lot of times mental illness is born out of isolation mm. and like stories you tell yourself. And so there's a lot of references to them having to do this together. And like when they get separated, there's like even a line I think where it's like, maybe we should stay together. There is something about like being able to talk about things that makes them helps to understand what reality actually is. Okay. And so the mirror really is able to do its best work when it has people on their own mm-hmm. like and it you see it with the dad you see it with the mom like it's it's able to really like separate them and create different fighting realities mm-hmm. when these people aren't communicating properly and aren't together okay so like the two of them sticking together i don't know i, I just feel like that that is what would have eventually defeated it but they they don't do that they don't stay together in in the end I mean, it's it's hard to know for certain because, like, the characters will think they go outside to, like, make a phone call. Right. And they don't. Right. Uh, or the characters will think that they're alone and they're not. Or the characters will even think that they see themselves, like, inside the house. And it's like, are we or are we not? Like, right. 
as the movie like gets into the third act, it, it really gets hard to know for certain what anybody is seeing, like either we, the audience, or the characters. Sure, 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 sure. And it does get a little complicated. I wouldn't say convoluted, but it definitely gets complex sure. in terms of like what we're seeing, what is real, and like when is it real if it's real, and when does it stop being real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those. It's just it's hard. Like it it demands a little bit of attention. Well, the kids only get separated a couple times in the past narrative. And those are the times that like they're in the most peril. Like they're mm. in less peril when they're together. Okay. Oh, like uh when the one kid goes into like the parents' room and the mother's chained up. Yeah. Chewing on pottery. Oh, that's brutal. It's like the, there's not a lot of blood in this movie, but like when there is. Talk about eating stuff too, because she bites into that light bulb. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's a a, a seminal scene in this movie. Oh, having recently accidentally like sucked up a tiny piece of glass <gasps> in my drink. Uh, oh and like no! Bit down on it. Really? Yeah, like it was just a tiny little shard, but like. Having glass in your mouth, knowing it's in there, is really scary. They linger on that. Like, Ugh. that's a moment in the film that, like, everything kind of stands still while that's happening. Yeah, and you don't... I didn't see it coming, even though... Like, I didn't see it coming on the first time. Second they time, I'm like, it's, it's so, so obvious. It's so obvious. <laughs> She's gonna grab the light bulb and eat it. Yeah. Like, duh. But, yeah, so, like, the mother's, like, chewing on the plate. And it's like, a chunk comes out, and it's like... Is that a tooth or is that the pottery? It, yeah, it's, is it pottery? It's like it looks like there's some like flesh on it. It's like, yeah, there's not a lot of blood, but it's like when there is, it's really effective. Or when Kaylee's like going through like the history and she's talking about like what was it like the librarian who like locked her manager in uh, oh. the office and then like chewed through a live bank teller. wire? Yeah, bank teller. Bank teller. Yeah. Uh, and it shows the picture and like her mouth is just fried. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like that's grotesque. Yeah. Uh, and they don't do too many stuff of that, but like it makes it effective. Like it really yeah. sells it when it, when it does happen. This kind of ties in, but like I'm not a huge person for franchises in general, but boy, they really set this up for a sequel well, and in a good way because like it's they've already set up the past where it's like, here's this long line of things that this mirror has done to people. And the person that like comes and seduces the dad is named Marisol, which is the person who had the mirror before they did. So it's like the people that own oh, the mirror are the ones who haunt the next people. Yeah. Oh, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, because well, they said that her name was Marisol, and then you know he's writing Marisol all over. Yeah, and then also she had no teeth. She's also the person that pulled all her teeth out. So, yeah, okay, okay. There could be a thread between each of those ones that she mentions that isn't mentioned in this movie. That but like somebody else could uncover later. I mean, you could do a nice little trilogy where like in the next movie someone gets the thing and. Then, like the brother comes to warn them about the mirror, and then he dies really early. And then, in the, the then eventually the person who owns the mirror dies in number two. And then in number three, that's when like somebody finally figures out like this thing needs to die, and then they kill in three. I'm just pitching ideas. <laughs> <laughs> On the topic of there being sequels, as you know, I'm a romantic at heart. Mm-hmm. I like a happy ending. This movie does not have a happy ending. Not at all. It's just an evil, sad ending. It, yeah, and it really is. And, you know, part of me is thinking, you know, how many movies are there about evil, inanimate objects? I'm looking at you, Christine. 
where it's brought down by teenagers. And it's mm-hmm. like, here's an ancient evil, something that, that has presumably like lived for generations, and it's brought by, down by teenagers. It's like, what, come on, evil. What were you having 20th century day? teenagers, yeah. too. <laughs> and if we're being like realistic about it, this mirror's probably smarter than these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it boils down to. Like, this thing has been around a long time. She traced it to be like 300 years. We don't know how much longer it was before that. You know, if it survived this long, it's probably like, you know, gonna best her. It really seemed like she had its number too. Like when when she goes to that whole scene explaining the room and all the alarms she's got set, she's like, we've got this thing. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. This mirror is gonna get that anchor by the end. Well, Timothy even says, he's like, no, like, We've outsmarted it. Like, your plan was foolproof. And it wasn't, spoiler alert. But mm. I like it when a movie is like people bringing their A game. You know, what makes Die Hard so great is that it's a really scrappy, smart, cunning cop versus like a, a megalomaniac genius. Yeah. And I kind of feel like you get the same thing here. Like, Kaylee is not letting anything go to chance here, but the mirror is still like besting her. Like it's adapting to all her plans. Yeah. So even though the movie has a sad ending, if we're going in a classic drama sense of the word, there is something satisfying about a movie having an ending where evil probably does win from time to time. Yeah. But if you were to franchise it, well, then that makes perfect sense. Oh, my God. They don't have to do like a, a, a child's play and be like, well, this art restoration factory put the mirror back together. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, no, there was a fucking estate sale and uh, someone bought it and they brought it into their home and uh, you're done. Yeah, yeah. Th- there was a fucking melee. The kids lost and now this mirror goes to a different owner. Yeah. Like. It's just another chapter in this long chapter that we've of the story of this mirror that we've heard from Kaylee, you know? I wonder like, if Mike Flanagan was kind of hoping for that. He's like, well, like, Insidious has 100 movies, and Sinister has a couple, and fucking Annabelle has some. <laughs> why can't my haunted mirror movie get some? <laughs> I am a little confused why it doesn't, because it's like, it's right there. And then, if you want to do prequels, he did that for, work for <laughs> he, you, too. He's got it all laid out. Like, what the fuck? It's, 20 fucking prequels. <laughs> you can even have like some hidden ones because they say that it was like lost for periods yeah. of time. That's the comic so book do series your right Rouge there. Rouge one of, uh, of, of the Lasser glass. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Hollywood. These things cost $5 million to make. Who's, I know someone's got that money. Also, Mike Flanagan's like hot property now. Yeah, what the fuck? You know, he's got Dr. Sleep coming out at the time of this release like next week i mean gerald's game was great we both liked hush we both liked uh haunting of hill house i assume you finished it by now he's directed uh did you ever see uh ouija origin of evil no i did not so there was a ouija movie and it sucked Mm -hmm. and he made a prequel to that oh okay and it was all right before i wake which i think is like the weakest of his but actually still pretty good if any other director made it i'd be like this is a hidden gem but because (laughs) mike flanagan made i'm like "Eh, that's a lesser work (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for his, for Dr. Sleep. Usually directors that devote themselves to horror, I'm not that keen on. But like, he seems to find different ways. Like, Haunting of Hill House seems different than this. Like It, it does. You're, even, even, though though, they, even though they're all like ghosts and they're all like, 
you know, uh, uh, family, family drama. turmoil. Mostly brother sister, but there's also like uh, uh, kids to parents. Yeah, uh, haunting a hill house is like the whole damn family. Mm-hmm. That's all stuff that's relatable, so it makes it scarier. Yeah. Also, like there is sort of a fear of like when you're really fighting with family. When you really get angry, someone's like you don't realize what you're doing. Like if you slam something down, you don't realize it. So like when they're fighting and they're moving the cameras and, and like they're sort of like out of themselves for a little while, like that's relatable to like when you really get angry with anyone. But like I think especially family because you yeah. know family just has a way of pushing your buttons. Well, and the parent-child relationship happen. It happens twice where they're trying to strangle the daughter, and both the parents like eventually snap out of it long enough to realize like oh my god i'm strangling my child Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like both of them have that moment of realization and that's like yeah it's it's that where it's like you don't realize what you're doing in the moment because Mm of anger or like any kind of emotion you can think of so you know that's what the mirror does yeah for a movie about a haunted mirror it's pretty scary (laughs) I'm going to say, like, it sounds stupid, but it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, the terrifying part isn't the mirror. The terrifying part is, like, that, like, your parent might try and kill you. Yeah. And, like, the lasting scars of that. And then you might not ever get over it. Yeah. And he does it classily, I'll say, in this movie. But there is actually, (laughs) like, a lot of mirror shots in this. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Uh, He doesn't, like, make a thing of it, or he doesn't draw too much attention to it, but... There's just, yeah, like, uh, mirror shots of, like, office at different periods of time. There's, like, a uh, sort of a mirror fade of the house uh, from their childhood, and it sort of fades into the house, you know, mm-hmm, the, or, like, mm-hmm. the, the, the dining room area to today. There's several shots of the mirror itself where things should be reflected that aren't, and that's, like, sort of a yeah. Kubrickian thing where it's like it feels like you made a mistake but actually it's probably just supposed to be unsettling yeah and there's also uh speaking of Kubrick, there is like a breaking of the 180 degree rule uh-huh when I at the restaurant yep one of them is screen right and the other screen left they're talking for a little bit and then she's like i found it and then like <laughs> it does this shift i noticed and- that too <laughs> it's because we're both off that uh you don't know me yeah <laughs> So we're super sensitive to stuff like that. <laughs> Who would have thought that a showgirls documentary <laughs> would inform our viewing of Oculus? But here we are. So yeah, the, the, and so like that's sort of a, a mirror image, you know? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. A reflection of, of the previous screen continuity. Just and even like the fucking structure of the whole movie, like it starts with that uh, scene of them looking out, seeing the dad walking by with the gun, and it ends with it. So it's yeah. like it's like mirrored that way. Uh, how did you feel about the movie starring a redhead? Well, there's two redheads. We've got... Um, oh, yeah, because I guess the mom's also redhead. Kaylee and the mom, yeah. Yeah, Kaylee uh, and Marie. Marie. So, kind of into it. Excited about it <laughs> for a while there. Sad, ultimately, that they both died. Sure. That was a little upsetting. Uh, would but you... oh, I love that first scene when we see Kaylee walking in and her ponytail's just swinging. I know. Like, Fuck. <laughs> How'd she do that? <laughs> it was great. I was just thinking, is that what ponytails do? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was mesmerizing. Okay, what would you be sadder about? So Kaylee dying, which is how the movie ends, yeah, or the cute boy dying? I mean, I thought everybody was gonna die. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Timothy was right out of Maze Runners. Like, 
I was like, this is the sort of jailbait that Ryan goes for. I know, for. God damn it! As soon as it, like cut to him at the in the therapist's office in sweatpants and a t-shirt, I was like, hmm. <laughs> all right, I see why Matt likes this movie. <laughs> There's a couple scenes like of him like looking at the mirror. And I was like, what jeans did they put him in that just like perfectly frames his butt? Yeah. He cute is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, he's real cute. Yeah, he's cutie. I did notice that like his the other movies that he's in basically just kind of calls for him to be attractive, like Blue Lagoon, like the New Beginning or the Awakening oh, or some no. shit. Oh <laughs> no! And he's in uh, like Maleficent mm-hmm. as like the prince. Sure, like everything he's in just sort of requires him to be handsome. I mean, in this movie, this is the only thing I've seen him in. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, I I was sort of thinking about this, like I. I don't want to rag on it because they are young actors and it is hard to get like real strong performances, but I almost feel like this could have used like a George and Martha situation. Like if we could redo this with Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like we really would have gotten to the heart of Mm, the matter mm -hmm, here, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but that's a tall order to ask these two young actors to be at that caliber and that emotional uh, maturity yeah. or immaturity, however you want to look at that. But uh, yeah, if it could veer just a little bit into Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf between the two of them, I think it would have benefited a yeah, little bit. Yeah, not bad, but could use improvement, I'd say. Yeah. B, B in that, that department. All in all, good pick. I, I did enjoy it a lot. Yeah. I guess I liked talking about it a little more than watching it, but I did enjoy watching it too. For me, like it's really dense. I feel like the other movies that we did for Schlocktoberfest have been sort of easy, a little surfacer, more surfacey. Yeah, like it's really easy to appreciate the things in Candyman or Christine mm-hmm. a little bit. Like those things are surface element. Where I feel like the uh, the real the meat of Oculus is in the structure the sort of the mind bendiness and like the stuff that like you have to dig for to really call out of it makes it a little more rewarding. Yeah. But just, just thinking that like, this is like his first like major motion picture, especially like the structure of like the two storylines interweaving and how like the characters, like they don't necessarily interact, but they are in the same scenes near the end. To me, that's just such a tight wire act. Like that's so much to juggle it shows vision. Yeah. He does it real well. And I, th- I think like Haunting of Hill House does it probably the best. He's also got room to breathe there. But yeah, I just, I'm all about it. I didn't realize when I picked this movie that both movies I picked for Schlocktoberfest involve otherwise inanimate objects. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that I did it because I very much enjoy both movies. So yeah. Cars and mirrors. Cars and mirrors. Scary in their own ways. <laughs> Schlocktoberfest, I feel. Yeah, it's Or kinda... does it? Oh my god! You may have thought that we'd buried that coffin of Schlocktoberfest down deep in the depths, but this moment right now is the hand reaching up through the ground because we're doing one more Schlocktoberfest movie. Oh, that's good. We didn't do enough. I mean, three isn't enough. No, it really isn't. We're timing, used to like five. Yeah, timing was bad and, it, you know, we missed a Monday in October, but uh, we're coming back. This is like, you know, the living dead here. <laughs> uh, and we're doing one more Schlocktoberfest movie 
And we're also bringing back a guest. We're extending Schlocktoberfest with a little blood. Mmm. Yeah. Eric blood, that is. Yeah, that's it. This might be the quickest turnaround on uh, guest returns I think we've had. But uh, he's in town and we just had to jump on it. And last time he was here, we talked about doing this movie. So we're just we're just doing it. It's time to do a Wes Anderson movie. And we're going to do his new nightmare. Wes Craven. <laughs> it's time to do a Wes Craven movie. Unless you think Fantastic Mr. Fox <laughs> is like a nightmare. Like that's his new nightmare. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah. Okay, yeah. God, I haven't seen that in a bajillion years. It was the 90s for me, so. I've been wanting to do this movie for a while, and it just seems perfect. When when I brought it up, he got real excited about it, so we just got to have him on for it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited. Eric Blood is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I can't wait for him to put his shoes on my couch again. (laughs) I don't care, Eric, I'm just... He wasn't... He, he got comfortable last yeah. time. I don't know what's going to happen when he's already comfortable. <laughs> anyway, so for extended Schlocktoberfest, Wes Craven's New Nightmare with Eric Blood. All right, let's plug our junk. Get the fuck out of here. Go to our website, x.rated.movies.com. Everything, 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 everything is there. It's just xratedmovies.com. Right, because our email address is x.rated.movies at gmail.com. Uh-huh. So you're like the mirror in uh, in Oculus. You were trying to uh, mess with my perception of things. And our listeners' perception, uh-huh. yes. Yeah, good job. No, wait, good callback. So. Um, <laughs> don't forget that we also have a Twitter account. It's at xratedmovies. And don't forget to leave us love wherever you get your podcast for free yeah that's a real important one because you know we put a lot of love and energy into this podcast and uh you know if you find value in the hour that we yammer in your ear about things show us let us know that you that you like it by going to apple Podcasts and just writing a few words for us mm-hmm. appreciate it and uh follow us on facebook at rated x movies yeah let cambridge analytica know <laughs> you like x-rated movies <laughs> Wait a minute. That's fine. Okay. So, <laughs> you'll edit that out. Yeah, we'll just go with that. So until next week, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye. Bye. Bye.